And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he sent him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him.
And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you.
Praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. We're continuing with our sermon series, What's Love Got to Do With It? And I don't know about you, but I've really been enjoying uh, the sermon series with you. And uh, today we're going to look at it a little bit more detail, but it's quite interesting because we brought in the story of the, the Good Samaritan that I was reading to you from Luke chapter 10. And when you look at the Good Samaritan, you begin to see that basically he echoes everything that Jesus was saying and what Jesus has been saying up until this point. And Jesus one time was asked by a lawyer who was trying to test him, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said that you ought to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything that's within you. He said, and the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so what I've been saying to you, if we recap last week and the week before, is that God's formula really for a healthy relationship is number one, loving God, loving yourself, and then loving others. Amen? And I think it's important that we note the order, that first it's loving God, then it's loving yourself. And I did speak about how it is important that we receive God's love to be able to love ourselves the way God loves us. But we don't stop there. It's not about me, myself, and I. It's about loving God, loving myself, so that in turn I can love others. Can you say amen? And then, <coughs> excuse me, I said to you as well, that when you have a love relationship with God, you actually have the power to love people purposely uh, and intentionally as well. And I said that everything that Jesus loves is actually found in people, in a person. Amen? And then I said to you, I ended by saying that if people matter to God, then they ought to matter to you and I as well. Can you say Amen. So I want to take a little bit further this morning and just talk maybe a little bit about uh, what is this love that, that, that Jesus is talking about. And we're going to examine this as we look at it uh, right across the campuses. It's important to know that in the Greek, uh, the Greek language is actually a very descriptive and very expressive language. And for example, we might use one word, love, and it can denote a love for many things. So for example, I can say I love uh, my car, I love my city, I love chocolate, I love CrossFit, I love my wife, but I can tell you that the way that I love my wife is very different from the way that I love my chocolate or my CrossFit. Can you say amen? And so the English language only has one word to describe the various kinds of, light, of love, but there are various, and there are four unique forms of love that are found in the Bible. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't. I want to just go over these very quickly. Four unique forms of love that we would just translate as love that are found in the Bible. The first one is the eros love, where we get the word erotic from. And of course, that is just simply physical love, all right, where there is a physical attraction for the person. The second kind of a love is the storage love or storgy love, which is a family love. This is the love that exists between 
parents and the children and the ch children between the parents. And then we find number three, there is a filia love or filio love, which is really a friendship love. And this is the bond that exists between people that says, I, I care about you, and I would like to nurture you, I respect you, I have compassion for you. That is a filial love, filial love. And the fourth kind of a love, you've often heard me speak about it, is the agape love, which is the unconditional and sacrificial love, all right? So I want to, I want to turn to a scripture this morning found in John 21, 15. And this is after Jesus has resurrected. He has now appeared to his disciples. He's actually on the beach, and he's actually cooking a meal for them, all right? And so in verse 15, it says, And so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love, do you agape me more than these? And he, Peter, said, Lord, you know that I love Filio love you. In other words, Jesus is saying, I have an agape love for you. Peter says, yes, Lord, I have a filio, I have a friendship love for you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, a second time, he said, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love, do you agape me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love, I phileo you. I, I have a friendship kind of a love with you. And the third time, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love? Do you phileo me? In other words, Jesus begins with the agape love, and then he drops down to the level of the love that Peter has, okay? And, and Peter says, yeah, Peter was grieved because he said the third time, do you phileo me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. And so the point that I'm trying to make here this morning is that Peter was capable only of the phileo kind of love, a friendship type of a love. But it's interesting that after Pentecost, 120 were gathered in that upper room, and the Bible says that suddenly there was a sound of, as of a mighty rushing wind, and the Holy Spirit came upon the 120. They went into Jerusalem, literally turned Jerusalem the right side up, and people are gathering there because there is a manifestation. Here they are speaking in other various languages. God is using this as a sign and a wonder to draw people. Peter gets up, and now he preaches, and his heart is full of the agape kind of love, and the Bible tells us that 3,000 people got saved, all right? So Romans 13 and 18 says this. Paul writes and says, Oh, no one anything except to love. That word love, if you look it up, is agape love. So God is saying you might, you in your own capacity, you might have a filial love, but actually God requires that every one of us loves people with an agape love. It says, oh, no one, anything except to agape love one another, for he who loves agape another has fulfilled the law. Now, here's the clue in Romans 5 and 5. It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love, the agape of God has been poured in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. How many of you can see that it's possible to move into that level of love 
simply by just receiving the Holy Ghost and simply by being indwelt and filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul writes in Ephesians 5 and 18, he says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is dissipation, but he says, Be filled with the Spirit of God. Be filled, and the Greek is a continual thing. It's not saying just once, once, but a continual. Every opportunity that you have, we allow the Holy Ghost to come in and shed abroad in our hearts the love, the agape kind of a love, and out of that overflow, we are able to love, agape love, one another. Can I get an amen? So what I'm trying to say is if you try and do it in your own strength, in your own might, you're only capable of the different kind of loves that we saw, not the fourth one. But you need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need the Holy Ghost every minute of the day so that we can be full of the agape love and that we can love one another, not with a filial love, but with an agape love. And we saw this clearly. This was demonstrated in the parable that Jesus spoke, all right? Now, I want to just share some things about this kind of love, this agape love that we are talking about, which is an unconditional and a sacrificial kind of a love that we saw was displayed by this uh, Samaritan person in the parable. And the first thing about this love, there's four things about this agape love. The first thing about this agape love that we saw in the Good Samaritan story is that it, there is a willingness to cross every barrier. The agape kind of a love is willing to cross Every kind of barrier. You say, what kind of barrier? Whether it be a social barrier, whether it be a racial barrier, whether it be a cultural barrier, ethnic barrier, whether it be a gender barrier, whether it be a religion barrier. Hallelujah. In this story, Jesus uses a Samaritan. And in the Bible days, how many of you know that the Jews literally hated the Samaritans because they were regarded as a mixed race? One day, Jesus had to go to Galilee. And so, in John 4, verse 3, it says, He leaves Judea and departs again to Galilee. But verse 4 says, But he needed to go through Samaria. Normally, when Jews had to go from Judea to Galilee, they would go around Samaria, which would obviously lengthen their journey because they didn't want to go into Samaria and then have to integrate and feel like they were contaminated and polluted because they regarded the Samaritans as a half-breed. They looked down upon them, and Jesus said, no, I'm going to Galilee, but I am going to go through Samaria. Why? Because there is somebody in Samaria who needs a divine encounter with me. Can you say amen? You see, agape love doesn't know any kind of a barrier. Agape love reaches to every single person. Why? Because every single person needs a God encounter with Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. Number two, what else about this agape love that we see in the Good Samaritan? That this love is willing to take risks. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. The Samaritan, when you look at that story and you read the background to that story, you realize that the Samaritan took a great risk by stopping there to help the person that was lying 
on the side of the road. Why? Because that road was known for robbers and bandits. It was known to, for its treachery. It was known, if you walked on that road, as a matter of fact, they referred to that part of that road, that journey, as the way of blood. If you went along that journey as as, night, as sure as night follows day, you were bound to be robbed. You were bound to be, you know, apprehended by criminals and thieves and robbers that occupied that territory. But the Samaritan took a risk. Hallelujah. And how many of you know that many a times, you know, we're afraid to take a risk because we, at the back of our minds, we say, well, what, what if? What if I fail? What if I, God doesn't show? What, what if this happens? What, and, and we are prone all the time to think about the negative that would happen. As a matter of fact, neurologists and people that study the brain will tell you that if you don't um, educate your brain, if you don't train your brain, your brain will always think about the low areas in your life. We'll think about when you were at your rock bottom. That's why it's so important to take a hold of the Bible and then to read the Word and allow the Word to wash your mind and allow the Word to renew the mind so that you can think positive thoughts, that you can encourage your mind, that you can encourage yourself in the Lord as you read a hold of the Scripture. Hallelujah. So you can say, well, what if? What if God shows up? What if a miracle takes place? What if I do this and God explodes on the scene and multiplies my business? What if I take a step of faith and God shows up and all of heaven opens, opens up and, and the miracle of all miracles takes place? How many of you can say amen? So stepping out in faith invariably usually requires to take a risk, all right? Uh, it, 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 it usually involves taking a risk. If I think about Peter, when Jesus said, you want to walk in the water, Peter? Come on, then. What did Peter have to do? He had to get up on his feet. He had to lift his feet out off the boat, and he had to take a risk. Hallelujah. What about if I think of David when he was saw Goliath, and he started to run to war? He has a young little teenager boy running out against a 9 to 11-foot giant who was trained in mixed martial arts. He had all the latest weapons, had all the latest moves, all the latest technology. And here's a little shepherd boy running towards that giant with a stone in his sling. Did David take a risk? Of course he did. Hallelujah. How about when the people of Israel cross the Jordan and they come into the land of Canaan that flows with milk and honey, and when they saw it, they saw the giants, they saw the formidable army, they saw the fortified walls, and God said, tell my people, seven days, for seven days, I want you to walk around that, uh, that city, Jericho, once, and then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around seven times. Did they take a risk? While all the great armies were watching them, shaking their heads, thinking they crazy. We're talking about the formidable armies of those days. And here all they did was they marched around. Nobody saying a word. But then on that last day, when they marched the seventh time, they lifted up their voices and began to shout. They took a risk. Can you say amen? Moses took a risk when he led the people of Israel out of, out of Egypt. 
And then they journeyed, and, and, and now, yeah, oh, yeah, they, they're right standing in front of the Red Sea. They can hear the mighty Egyptian army coming up behind them, those chariots and the noises that that formidable army was making. On the one side, there was a range of mountains. On the other side was a range of mountains. We can't turn right. We can't turn left. We can't go back because they're waiting for us. As a matter of fact, they're fast approaching us. And he's standing looking at the Red Sea. Did Moses take a risk? Of course he did. And what did God say? God said, lift up your rod, Moses. Come on. Speak to that Red Sea. Tell the people of Israel to march forward. And as they did, the waters parted. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. You know, one of the greatest enemies to people fulfilling the will of God for their lives is comfort. When we get too comfortable, faith will get you out of the comfort and into the uncomfortable zone. You have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Can I say that again? You have to be ready to get to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Don't get comfortable with being comfortable. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's how faith operates, hallelujah, because anything can change. Come on. We, we, we can't be comfortable with our worship status, with the, the Word content. We've got to desire more. We've got to be hungry for more of God, more of His Word, more of His presence. Amos prophesies and says in Amos 6 and 1, he says, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. Amos chapter 6 and verse 1. He says, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. Now, don't mistake that for the peace of God and the rest of God. Yeah, I want the peace of God. There is a rest that comes in God. But let me tell you something, man. You can't get comfortable with being comfortable. Faith in God takes risks. And you will never accomplish anything great in this life if you never, ever take a risk. Can you say amen? Number three, what else about this agape love that we see? That it was willing, as we see in the Good Samaritan, it is willing, it was willing to set aside a busy schedule. Is there anybody in this place that's not busy? Everybody is busy. Why? Because we're all doing life. We're all on a journey, all right? We're all busy doing something. We're either husbands or wives. We might be CEOs, doctors, entrepreneurs, on and on and on and on. The point that I'm trying to make is that every single person is busy. And this Samaritan was on a journey, and he was busy doing life. But he took time to stop and care for the man. Why? Because his priorities were right. You see, when you're not trying to fit God into your schedule, you, you, have, the wrong, you have the wrong priority. I'm not trying to squeeze God into my busy schedule. I have a marriage, and somewhere in that marriage, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a slot for God. Or I have a business, and somewhere in that business, I don't know, somewhere, somewhere, somehow, I'm like, we're going to see if we can squeeze God into this business. No, Jesus is the center of my life. Can you say amen? In other words, if Jesus is the center of my life, then everything revolves around Him. He doesn't revolve around me. I revolve around Him. If Jesus is the center of my marriage, then the whole of my marriage revolves around Him. In other words, I don't have, I'm never too busy for God. You have to find time. If God is the center of your business, come on, you have time. You make time for God. 
Can I get an amen? So agape kind of a love is a love that takes time out of its uh, busy schedule. And when we do that, if, we, if God is at the center and everything else revolves around Him, then let me tell you, people will come into the equation one way or the other. Why? Because it's impossible to love God and not love people. It's, it's, it's impossible to have a heart for God and not have a heart for people. Can you say, praise the Lord? And then number four, let me tell you about this agape love that we see in the Good Samaritan is that it is willing to make sacrifices. Now, I want to thank all those people that come here on a, on a Sunday and you come really early. I know that you're busy. You take time out of your busy schedules and you're part of the dream team or you're involved somewhere in this ministry, but you take time. And I know that it's a sacrifice and I know that we ask you to be here real early. And maybe a Sunday is the only Sunday that you can sleep and maybe have a bit of time where you can maybe recover from a very busy week. But you're here early. I want to thank each and every one of you that are helping right across the campuses. Why? Because agape love is a love that knows how to sacrifice. When we look at the Samaritan, he sacrificed more than his time and his energy. As a matter of fact, he used some of his own provisions. He used bandages to bandage the wounds. He applied his own oil and wine. He put the wounded man on his own animal, on his own donkey. And then today, maybe we, we would have paid for the Uber, I don't know. But he, he put the man on his own donkey and took the man to the inn. What does the inn represent? I believe the inn represents the church. That place where you can find healing, where you can find reconciliation, where the Word comes and the Word changes you and brings about restoration. Hallelujah. And then he paid the innkeeper two denarii and actually said to him, listen, whatever else this man needs, when I come back, I will repay. Can you say amen? That's the kind of love that God wants us to have. He's not... Really just, I mean, we, we shouldn't stop short at phileo love, that friendship type of a love. But if you open yourself up to the Holy Spirit and you allow Him to pour this liquid love into your heart, come on, you will have an agape love that flows out, a love that whether that person loves you back in return, it doesn't matter because you have a love relationship with God. You are able to agape love every single person like the Good Samaritan. So the question that I want to leave with you today is, who is my neighbor? That's right, we see that really the gospel is all-inclusive. The cross is not an exclusive cross. 
oh, just for a certain group of people. It's open to every single person. So who is my neighbor? Every human being from all parts of the world, from every language, from every ethnicity, from every culture, from every kind of a faith, a religious faith. We have the, the athletes, the soccer players, to the children, to the construction workers, to the doctors, to the IT nerd, to the businesswoman, to the drunkards, the alcoholics, to the drug addicts, to the pimps and their businesses as well, to the gangster rapper, all right, to the Muslims, to the Hindus, to the Sai Baba. If you are a human being, then actually that is your neighbor. And Jesus said that we are to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Can you say amen? Come on, Martin, sing that song for us. I want everybody to stand up. I want you just to take a hold of the person's hand on either side of you today, all right? Sometimes it's so hard for me to understand why we pull away from each other so easily walking the same road yet we build dividing walls between our brothers and ourselves oh but I I don't care what label you may wear but if you believe in Jesus you belong with me oh the palm we share all I care to see I will change the world forever If you will join me and sing You're my brother, you're my sister So take me by the hand Together we will work until we
with every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Pastor, you say, I'm not part of this family. There's certain things that I've done and I'm, I'm not too proud of and I feel terribly ashamed and embarrassed. You spoke about this love, this agape love. Let me tell you that that love is unconditional. So it's flowing down to you, whether you feel it or not. Sometimes we allow the fear, the guilt, the shame, the embarrassment to stop us from receiving God's unconditional love. And I don't know where you are in your walk with God. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Maybe those of you that are in the various campuses have never experienced this agape love, this unconditional, a love that comes from heaven that says, I love you no matter what you did, no matter what you thought, no matter how you behaved, I still love you. The amazing thing about God's love is we cannot work it up. We, we, we can't work for it. It's not like we can do something to earn this love. That's what grace really is. It's God's unmerited favor. And so it's a gift. You say, well, what do I have to do? Well, like any gift, if I had to give you a gift, all you had to do was simply reach out and take the gift from me and receive the gift. And that's how it is with God, with Jesus, with His love, with His grace, with His mercy, with His forgiveness. All you have to do is reach out and receive this love. Let me tell you, His love for you is far greater than the shame and the embarrassment and the guilt that you might be feeling right now. And I don't know what it is that you might have done. And we're not going to pry into that. We're not going to investigate you, all right? That's between you and God today. But I'm here to tell you that irrespective of what you've done, that love is a greater love. That love, if you'll allow that love, it will overwhelm you, embrace you, forgive you, restore you. God will take out that heart that gravitates to weakness and to sin. And the Bible says He'll put a brand new heart in you. And then God will begin to write His laws upon that brand new heart. And you'll carry the nature of God. You'll carry on the inside of you a desire for God. That's all God-given. And family, let me tell you, it is the miracle of all miracles. You can't put an equation to it. You can't put reason or logic to it. How it is that God can soften our heart and God can change a man, change a woman simply by receiving this amazing love. I'm going to count to three. And I know that there are many of you here in Hillcrest in Phoenix right now that you know that your life is not right with God. And we've been talking about who our neighbor is and We've been talking about what this love is, the God kind of love, the agape love. Well, that love is coming straight for you today. And you can do one of two things. You can either turn your back and reject it, which would be a hard thing, or you can face it and open your heart and welcome it and receive it. That's a whole lot easier for us to do. Why do you say that, Pastor? Because every human being wants to be loved. 
We all want to be loved. And so if nobody else will love you, I'm here to tell you that God Almighty loves you. Jesus loves you. The Holy Spirit loves you this morning. And He is drawing you towards God. He's pulling at you. And all you've got to do is simply respond. With every head bowed, every eye closed right now, I'm going to get ready to pray for you. When I count to three, I want those that feel that love, that tug. You know that your life is not right. I want you just simply to lift your hand up high so that when I see that hand, I know to pray for you. Ready? All right, everybody, bow your heads, close your eyes, right across the campuses. Here we go. One, two, get ready. Three, lift your hand up high. Lift your hand up high. Don't be shy. God bless you. I see that hand. I see that hand. Anybody else? Lift your hand up high. God bless you, ma'am. I see that hand. Here's what I want to do. Right across the campuses, right in the back, sir, I see that hand. I'd be honored to pray for you, those of you that are here, and you're at the campuses. I'm going to ask you to slip up out of your seats and come down to the front. Would you come and stand with me? I want to pray with you. Come right now. Come right now, wherever you are. Just come, 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 come. In Jesus' name, come on, come on. That's right, come. Wherever you are, come in Jesus' name. That's right, come. Your love is so unrelenting. At the various campuses, come. Lord, your love is so unrelenting. Your love, it covers me. That's right, come on. Tap for them as they come this morning. to help these folks pray. If you can pray these words after me, all right? You're not praying it to me. You're praying it to God. But I'm going to help you what to say to Him today, all right? I want everybody to help them. Say after me, Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name, just as I am with all of my faults, all of my failures, and all of my sin and I ask you for forgiveness thank you so much for never giving up on me your incredible love your amazing love that I receive today with my heart I believe and with my mouth I confess That you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You died just for me. And you shed your blood just for me. And today, I receive eternal life and the forgiveness of all of my sins. And I'll never be the same 
never, ever, ever will I be the same again in Jesus' name. Come on, stretch your hands out towards them. Father, I pray today for every one of these precious people, those that are in the campuses, those that are here today, God, that this wouldn't just be an empty prayer, words that we have prayed, but I pray today for the living, loving reality of a real Jesus, that we don't serve a plastic Jesus. You are a real God, and I pray today, let this love be so tangible. Let your presence be so tangible. Let the change and the transformation be so visible, my God, that you are not doing only internally, but outwardly, God, that there's going to be a drastic change. And we pray your blessing upon them today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, don't, don't mind moving. Those of you in the front, I'm going to ask you to turn to your left. We have some people that want to spend some time with you, all right? They're going to give you something as well. Let's put our hands together. Nobody else moving. Let them go first. That's right. Go, 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 go. We're going to hand back to the various campuses. Can we put our hands together for Phoenix and Hillcrest? God bless you tonight, 5 p.m., for a great Holy Ghost water baptism service. Those of you that are here, let's join hands and pray. Come on, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? It's not just your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Come on. It's people that are outside of the Lord as well. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Like I said, your neighbor is anybody that is a human being. Any human being was created by God. That is your neighbor. And we are to love them as we love ourselves. Anybody love ourselves here? Do you love yourself? You love yourself? You ought to. Love yourself the way God loves you. You love God. Love yourself. Love your neighbor. Love God. Love myself. Love my neighbor. Amen. Do we have any neighbors here today? Yeah, every one of you is. Remember Cain, when he slew his brother, God said, Cain, Cain, where's your brother? And Cain said, God, what's up? Am I my brother's keeper? That's a rhetorical question because actually we are our brother's keepers. I'm your keeper, you're my keeper. But our neighbors are everybody, anybody. Durban is full of neighbors that are waiting for the love of Jesus. South Africa is full of neighbors that are waiting for you to bring that agape love. How many of you are ready for the Holy Ghost to fill your heart with this liquid love? You, don't, you, you can't manufacture it. I don't care how many years you've been born again. If you're not in the Holy Ghost and getting filled by, in the Holy Ghost, you're going to manufacture something. The best that we can do is fill your love. And even then, we fail and we disappoint. And we are at a love that says, if you love me, I love you back. Jesus says, uh-uh, I can't a winner. We're going to raise the bar up. I want you to love even those that hurt you. Oh, how's that possible? Agape love. Can you say amen? How many of you can see it's a supernatural love? So I want everybody right now just to begin to pray for one another. Come on, that God would flood our hearts with this agape love. Romans 5 and 5. Now hope does not disappoint. 
For the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Come on, family, let's pray right now. Pray that God would fill that person with the love of God. Pray right now that liquid love, a love from heaven, a supernatural love. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. You don't know how they treated me. Everybody has been let down. Everybody's been disappointed. we got to rise above that. Hallelujah. And we can if we tap into the Holy Ghost. Come on, everybody. Let's pray right now. Pray for that person. Pray that Durban would be loved with an agape love from this church, from this house. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Help us this morning. Holy Ghost, not by our power, nor by our might, but by the power of the Holy Ghost today, God. I want to thank you for an unconditional love, a sacrificial love, a love that is willing to take risks, a love, my God, that is willing to set aside a busy schedule, a love today, my God, that knows no barrier, knows no limitation, my God. And in the name of Jesus, we receive it right now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen.